0: Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so very much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange podcast. Whether we're in complete pain while we do it or not. Go to I lost my place. Go to, if you want to listen to that on right go to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple and Spotify rate review Most importantly, subscribe when you get there. Because if you do, you won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays. And speaking of Mondays, it is 1 right now. And it is 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, that is when we go live on YouTube. And you can come hang out and be a part of the show on YouTube. Go to the A to Z Sports Nashville YouTube channel and uh, hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell and uh, drop in, comment. We love reacting uh, to the comments. Um, unless they come from Big Ten Jeff, then I don't really care about them. Um, and it's, uh, it's always a great time. So do that. Yeah. Charlie underscore Burris. That's act T at ADZ sports, ADZ sports.com for everything that Zach writes. And now do we really have to talk about this? Tennessee went down to the swamp. And summarily got their teeth kicked in. Um, that game was... Fr- I mean, we were talking about it before we got on here. I was using a little more colorful language than I will here, but I wanted to throw my TV out my front window. That, uh, it made me ill because it just was so... It encapsulated in every way Tennessee playing football in Gainesville, Florida. It hit everything. They got a bum at quarterback. He plays like Peyton Manning. That, you know, Tennessee's defense. We we think Tennessee's defense might be improved. Oh, my gosh. They might play better. They get absolutely torched. Tennessee's offense has been legendary. And then, you know, you get there. Oh, 16 points. One of the worst games Josh Heupel's ever coached at the University of Tennessee. And I, where do we start? What's up,
1: Zach? Uh, good thing the Titans won yesterday for you. This would be a really rough show. It wasn't that, looking good. There that was dicey. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh not not how we wanted to, to to start this week and and really get this season going. It, it takes a lot of the air out of your sails when you lose this game early in September. Uh, you know, Billy Napier said it before before the game, and and I know it's it's Florida's head coach, but I thought it was perfect. You know, this game is huge and it, it comes early and it comes fast. I mean, as soon as the season starts, it's it's on top of you, and it really can kind of set your se- set the course of your season. And now Tennessee has to kind of play catch-up mode if they if they want to accomplish some of these goals that they set out before the season. And they're all still there. It's all still possible. We've seen teams have terrible the first months of the season and, and drop a game that they maybe shouldn't have dropped or people didn't think they were going to drop and come back and have really good seasons. And, and we'll see where it goes from here for Tennessee, but the season certainly had a bit of a crossroads here where they've, they've really got to pick a, pick a path here. Are they going to stick together or are we going to see more of this moving forward? And, you know, we've been, we're three weeks in and we keep waiting to see who this team really is. And, and, and we go into this UTS game, I figured again, weekend.
0: Yeah. This is definitely one of those, you know, your season falls apart from here or you get you get your ish together and, and you pull together and it's kind of a defining moment and defining in a good way where, you know, you get your head screwed on straight. Which path will Tennessee take? Obviously, that's going to be the entire thrust of, of the show today. We were going to talk about every element of that. Joe and Nico. I mean, we put, look, it was a little clickbaity, but we put Nico in the thumbnail here because let let, everyone here watching you gotta be honest with yourself you all want to know you all you you're thinking it's you got it you're a tennessee fan okay so let's be completely honest it's right there in the back of your head you're going obviously some of it is right there in the front and you're saying it um but even if it's not it's right there in the back you're going "Eh, maybe we should give him a try i'm saying all i'm saying is just you know some snaps against utsa and so we're going to talk about all that uh and well, where do we even start? Uh, we'll get to it right after I tell you about our first great sponsor, Zen Sports, new sponsor to the show. Huge shout out to them. Uh, if I can find it, it is football season, it's time to switch to Zen Sports, the fastest growing sports book in Tennessee, changing the bonus game with their cash rewards program. When you sign up for Zen Sports, with code A to Z T N A T O Z T N earn welcome bonus that gives you 5% cash back on your total betting volume for your first 15 days of betting. Think about that for just a second. It's an insane offer. If you have friends who bet on sports, share your Zen Sports referral bonus code with them and you will earn 3% of their betting volume for the first six months of bet- for their first six months of betting on Zen Sports with no cap on how much you can earn. So what are you waiting for? Stop wasting time and money on other sports books when you could be earning real cash rewards it's in sports. Download today on the app store or at ZinSports.com and your wallet will thank you later. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. You must be 21 or older in Tennessee to bet that is Zen Sports. Go download it. Support them because they're supporting us. Like I said, I mean, where, where should we start here? So Tennessee comes out in this game and uh, that, that, that opening drive with the defense, it's a little dicey, but you get to the stop. They go, I believe they miss a field goal. And you're like, hey, we'll take that. zero 0 Let's go. And they turn around. And Joe has one of the best drives he's had in his time at Tennessee. It was perfect, virtually. Some, some nice handoffs. You establish the run game a little bit. And then a beautiful throw to, to Squirrel. And then a touchdown pass. Both of both of these passes were right on the money. It was beautiful. And I think every every Tennessee fan at that moment went, whoa, like, whoa, are we really about to do this? I, I, I know that's the conversation. I was watching it with friends. That was the conversation that we had. it was like, is this, we really about to go out here and maybe like kick Florida's butt? That was beautiful. And then it was just nightmare from, there till the end of the game. Now that's not completely true. I mean, we're gonna give credit where it's due in every part of this game if we can. But my goodness, what a meltdown from that point forward because Tennessee's defense, you turn right around. One of the most embarrassing moments I've ever seen for a Tennessee defender in my life. I mean, it was the very next drive for Florida. Kamal hadden doesn't just not tackle the ATN kid for Florida. He he gives him a shoulder to try to t- tackle him. Uh, and just gives him more momentum running to the end zone scores a touchdown a huge run so embarrassing so terrible and he i mean in what are we what are we doing with these defensive backs you're just your initial take on the game. Let's just, I I I mean like I said i mean it was bad from then on what what did you think outside of that opening drive
1: well you know that opening drive was fantastic i was right there with every other Tennessee fan thinking, all right, they finally kind of figuring it out. This is what this offense is supposed to look like. Then that next sequence happens where, where Kamal Haddon doesn't tackle ETN. They, they almost even the game up. They miss the extra point. And I'm still thinking like, okay, that was an explosive play. Those happen. That was, there's a reason for that. There was two missed tackles there. The safety and Haddon both, both didn't execute what they were supposed to do. And then the next sequence from Tennessee is kind of the one that really bothered me. Uh, it, it you follow, you have one of the your best sequences of the season on that first drive. Then the next drive was not so good. I mean, you 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 almost hit a deep pass to Ramel Keaton. You overthrow him. It's a lot like that play against Florida last year in Knoxville where he made that diving catch. It's almost the exact same play, just a little bit different part of the field. Yeah, you you complete that. Maybe this game is completely different. Then on you miss that pass and it's third and nine and that play that they ran on third and nine the little screen to jalen wright was doomed from the start i mean tennessee ran motion with wright florida followed him i think they have four or five defenders over there with three blockers you, you can't get a hat on a hat there that play is doomed before it even is you know you either have to make a check there which i don't think milton had enough time because they ran the clock down a little bit after the incomplete pass had to wait on Keaton to get back uh, up the field after running so far, you probably should call a timeout there because that play was just never going to work. Got blown up. You've got a punt. And from there after that, etn had just had that big play. All the momentum is Florida. And they, they just never recovered. They never figured out. I mean, Florida had them at that point, And that led into that second quarter was just complete disaster there in the first half. I still think Tennessee was able to kind of get settled again after that. They didn't handle the momentum well. They didn't handle the crowd noise well. All that stuff factored in with some poor play uh, on both sides of the ball. The offensive line, really, I think on the rewatch was the biggest issue, I think, of the night for the offense. I know a lot of the attentions on Joe Milton, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get more into the quarterback part of all this, but the offensive line didn't give him a, a chance a lot of times. I mean, the interception, even, you know, I'm on Twitter kind of blowing Milton up a little bit, like, hey, you can never, ever make that mistake. And and it's still not a mistake that should be made, but if you're you're on the field, you're in the moment, he had Squirrel White, I believe, open down the field for six points if he hits him in stride. The play was there. I think Milton thought that he had enough time to get the throw off as the pressure was coming in, and he just didn't. I mean, it's a bang-bang play, and, you know, maybe he gets that ball out a second faster, half a second faster. That ball's completed the Squirrel. Or maybe it's even incomplete. You, you you lift the punt there, and and perhaps you can you can hold Florida from that point. But that you know really just snowballed from there. So to me, that's I think it was the right guard Spragans on that particular play that let some of the pressure through initially. Then the center got beat. Ollie Lane did not have a good game at all uh, playing in place of Cooper Mays. Hmm. Uh, You even saw some like sideline discussions, I believe, after that play between Joe Milton and and Cooper Mays there, where it was I I don't know what was said or what the speculation there is i, I don't want to speculate because i don't think that's fair to either of them but there was a conversation where i don't feel like they were at each other but they were discussing something probably in you know related to the offensive line so i think that right there to me is the most concerning thing is you just went down there and we've heard so much about being better in the trenches but we also heard this concern about the offensive line before the season and i think we're seeing that that's it's pretty legitimate i mean even yeah Cooper out you still kind of expect better than that they just got beat and it it kind of like what we saw at Georgia last season that's the key to beating this team on the road until they figure these issues out with the false starts the penalties and the protection issues they're not going to win these games on the road they just they're not I don't care if it's Hinden Hooker or Joe Milton back there we've seen it with both quarterbacks both 13 point losses on the road to SEC East rivals it's the exact same scenario both times
0: yeah, there was a ton of weirdness just coming in. You thought, I mean, obviously hypo said Cooper would be ready to play. Those are the words he used, ready to play. He gets ruled out before the game ever starts. Then Gerald Mincy doesn't play. We find out it's because he was cited, not
1: arrested, cited. Well, he did He did weirdly play on extra on points. On special and, teams. Yeah, special teams. And hypo was a little I, snappy today uh, answering that, and I don't. I'm not saying that to take a shot at Hypo by any means. I don't think he really wanted to go into that, which I respect That's his player. It's all out there. What else are you going to really say at that point if you're Hypo? But you could tell that he did not want to talk about that today at all. I think it was Adam Sparks from from Knoxville News Sentinel that asked him and, and followed up twice. And I respect Adam there. I mean, those are questions that you have to ask as a reporter. And absolutely, he, you, get, you, know, you get chastised by your employer if you don't. Uh, but Heifel did not want to talk about that at all. It was odd the way they handled that, I thought. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, c- cited for
0: simple possession. I mean, you know, if you want my opinion on it, that's stupid.
1: Uh, does, get... does Georgia play him? Does, does exactly. Florida play him? Uh, in the Urban Meyer play. years, does yeah. Alabama play him? I don't, I mean, I don't know the whole story, yeah. but I mean, th- they think what
0: you want about, you know, that substance, but uh, just come on. Uh, but beyond that, I, I, I'm not sure he would have helped that much. I don't know. Maybe he would have, but, uh, just the, the line got roasted and you, you need Cooper so badly. And then the wide receivers are just the, in, in this game, they weren't horrendous for sure. You just have to have someone it's becoming so exceedingly clear. You have to have someone become the guy.
1: I think brew is is on the it way there. Murder. Brew McCoy, it yeah.
0: It it has to be Brew McCoy. It I I think Dante Thornton probably has the the physical gifts, but you saw.
1: I mean, he's still the, figuring it out, man.
0: It, exactly. the The pa- a, a, a pass came to him that was incredibly catchable, and he should have jumped up and high pointed the ball, and he waited for it to come down, and, and the defender you know
1: swatted it away, and
0: that's I mean that's
1: you can't it's that's do where, that that's in, where- that's where you miss your talent Tillman. right i mean tillman makes that play yes
0: tillman i mean that was tillman's specialty right there was a 50 50 ball like that's that is what he excelled at and so you you know you're missing that even though the physical gifts are there for for thornton he still has to figure it out it needs to be brew mccoy he needs to step up he needs to be the guy he needs to be the dude that is the, the pressure release he's he's the where where milton can always go if no one else is there I can go to Brew McCoy. That has to happen. These running backs are doing what they can. Jalen Wright is, is really excellent. And you know, they, they did what they could, but if your offensive line is going to get roasted, like they did to the point where you're having to sub out your, your center, cause he's stinking so much. And then it's not like the guy behind him is any better. I mean, it's, it's a dire, dire situation. And I, I, you know, to that point, so uh, Timothy McGee here leaves a super chat. Thanks so much. He said, why won't Tennessee go under center when it's third and one or at the goal line? We need to put in a tight end or a bigger back. Um, I i mean, obviously, I hate me. Crompton talked about this during the postgame show. I hate shotgun and short yardage. It is the bane of my existence. It was the thing that I probably hated the most that Butch Jones did in terms of just coaching on the field. It just... Ugh. Why are you doing why are you starting a bunch of yards back from where you need to be? That's stupid. And especially when you have a guy as huge as Joe Milton. That being said, your offensive line's getting absolutely roasted. And so maybe Hypel is thinking, I gotta do this because we're not gonna get any push. I mean, it it is definitely clear there there's distrust there. And I think it's everybody. I think it's it's a distrust of the entire thing. A lot of people have been like, he doesn't trust Milton, he doesn't trust Milton, he doesn't. He doesn't trust the whole thing I think that's completely clear I I don't even necessarily put it on a Milton Milton as a whole he didn't play really bad i I think we we were having this discussion and I want I want the second segment to be Milton focused and kind of that Nico whatever discussion that we gotta have um but this game I think showed purely what you have in Joe Milton he is incredibly physically gifted the talent is 100 there? He made some really nice throws. He's a monster, physically imposing, but it appears that he's scared to run, and maybe just scared to run behind this offensive line. I I don't know, and maybe scared's not the right word, but just hesitant. He he doesn't look for it. He doesn't want it. He doesn't. That's just not his mo. And then I think the big thing that is going to get knocked in this offense is that his game management. It's. Uh-uh, two wasted timeouts right at the beginning of the second half, and I mean you, you can go to Heupel and th- throw some blame there, but I mean you, you rewatch that sequence, and I at least I look at it and I go, that's on Joe. And what are you doing? What What are we doing? And that I mean that cannot happen. And maybe you avoid that playing at home in a more friendly confine, and that the crowd affected a lot of that. And it was his first and true Cooper, road game.
1: Cooper Maze, you maybe, know Mays,
0: I. I brought that up on Twitter. I brought that up on Twitter, and I, I had to say it in two shorter words. I couldn't explain what I meant, but I I said uh, I said I thought that in the Orange Bowl, Cooper and Darnell Wright pasted over some of Joe's shortcomings. And what I meant by that, that's all I was able to say, because on Twitter you only have so many words. But what I meant by that is that Cooper, is he's ingrained in that offense at this point. He really knows it. And Joe, even though he's been here forever— in terms of running it in a true primetime game situation, he's still new to that. Uh, and and so I think Cooper being the the savvy veteran that he was at the point of the Orange Bowl last year, I think you can paste over some of that. Darnell right, obviously, in my opinion, best offensive line in the SEC last year. And he's playing playing on in front of you. And so between those two, they kind of pasted over some of that and and Joe was able to have a successful game and he had enough time that he needed, and yada yada. But this, I think it just really showed you you have a guy who's a little bit of a head case, even though he's a guy that can make really awesome throws and not not super consistently, but he definitely can. It was right there. You saw we all saw it. And that's I don't know how you take that, but I I go, he's he's decent, but he's not gonna win you the big ones. That's that's what's tough, unless he does a complete. 180, and they find it clicking. That's what I think you have in Joe Milton at the moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that's more than fair. I, I think with Milton, you're seeing that. Well, yeah, he's not Hendon Hooker, right? Hendon Hooker is a special player. You don't you don't get drafted with a torn ACL in the third round unless an NFL team thinks that you've got something right. They clearly didn't think Hendon Hooker was just a system. Quarterback, I think we're seeing the end of that now. With the the offensive struggles, that it's not just plug and play. And you're seeing Jalen Hyatt, you know, leading the Giants in receiving yards yesterday, and they're becoming Josh and the It's Not the system deal. Like you have to have elite players to win at an elite level. Yes, the scheme matters, the coaching matters. Obviously, we've seen what happens when you don't have that. But you got to have that stuff. And Milton, as talented as he is, the inability to 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 Make plays on the run, not just running the ball, throwing on the run. We heard Chris Fowler talk about, you know, at the end of that game on on Saturday night that Milton has never thrown a touchdown on the run. I think he's thrown 16 touchdowns over the last two years at Tennessee. They've all been flat-footed, or not flat-footed, but kind of in the pocket, stationary, not on the move. Mm -hmm. Same thing at Michigan. Josh Heupel was asked about that today during his press conference, and he's like, "Yeah, you got to be able to make plays on the move, whether that's picking up yards with your legs or throwing the ball on the run down the field." So it's clearly something Heupel wants him to do. Something Hendon Hooker was really good at. Hendon Hooker, you know, we've talked about it before. They bailed out, you know, the offensive line or the offense in general several times last year because he was able to run the ball. And Milton just hasn't shown the ability to do that unless it's kind of a designed run. And it feels like he processes things about half a second slower than yeah. hooker. Like he sees it half a second slower. And there's, you know, when you talk about the play calling, you hear about play calling, play calling, play calling. How much of it is Milton not seeing that stuff down the field? I mean, it's hard to know on the TV broadcasters you don't have that all 22 view where you can really see who's open and what the offense is doing and all of that. But maybe that's part of it. I mean, some of these throws that have been off, is it the receiver not being there at the right time? Is it Milton being off with it? It's just everything is is off by a half a second, it seems like. It, it starts with Joe Milton because he's the quarterback, but it does fall on every single person in that offense. And I just think you're seeing the early season struggles of not having your center, breaking in You know, a new right tackle or a new left tackle, moving your left tackle to right tackle, Breaking in a new left guard. You really don't even still know who your left guard is yet because it's supposed to be yeah. Ollie Lane, but he's not, you know, there. You you're, you're rotating guys because Ollie Lane's having to play center, so you you've got all that going on. You're bringing in new starting wide receivers. Brew and Keaton are the only ones that really saw significant action last season. Then you got Dante and and Squirrel who's seeing more and more time. They're all kind of figuring out this offense not in garbage time games that that really really matter. Whereas last year's team had all of 2021 to figure that stuff out. Jalen Hyde was out there. You know, Brew wasn't there, but Tillman was out there. They were there with Bayless with and Javante Payton, and they were figuring this offense out. And this team is going through what the last year's team went through in 2021. This team's, you know, going through that this season. So I think it's it's just kind of all of that together, and Milton isn't quite as talented as Hooker to to kind of hide some of those issues that this offense is having if, if he could take off and pick up some of these first downs and then they you know those those plays they're they're still hitting some of these big plays you you've, yeah we saw it against florida they're there they can do it but there's a few plays every now and then where they just get caught up and they can't figure it out and milton gets sacked or throws it away or, or makes an inaccurate throw and then you're behind the chains and all of a sudden you're punting and it's it just snowballs from there i do think that this game at least somewhat confirmed
0: that Hypo was purposefully vanilla in those first two games, because I mean, he did the the opening drive. They, they aired it out. Now, was it like, well, you could really ask the question. Was that super intentional in being vanilla there? Or did he feel like he had to go, you know, and give Joe some confidence throws against Austin P and it's a whole different discussion, but you were, like you said, you were airing it out you're hitting long throws. You hit multiple of them. In this game, he threw some really nice passes, and uh, this is like this is a discussion right here. Terry's in the comments says Austin P showed the blueprint of how to defend Tennessee this year. Florida used the same defense as Austin P. They definitely watched that tape. Now I, I I push back on that a little bit. I'm sure Florida did study that tape for Austin P. Austin P came in with a great game plan. The reason that I push back on that is that if you had last year's offense at the top of its ability, there's no figuring it out. That's just like, it it doesn't work exactly like that because when the offensive line is working and you're getting pushed and the running game is working, then they have to respect you passing the ball. They didn't have to respect the run game because it just wasn't happening. They were eating up that offensive line no matter what they did. And so you're not playing complimentary football in that way. And so you are able to quote unquote, figure it out. But you're figuring it out because it's just not as good as last year. If it's Hinden Hooker and, and Jalen Hyatt in that offensive line, chugging at its best abilities, they would score all over this Florida defense. And and so, I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm sure that it's been quote unquote figured out, but it's figured out because it's not, you know, firing on all cylinders. At least that's that's my general take on it. But I don't yeah, uh, I think
1: the only thing that was figured out was the fact that. The crowd noise helped. Billy Nader said, I watched his press conference after the game and his press conference today, and he said it multiple times how much the crowd helped. I mean, those drives, like after, after Milton throws the interception, you know, Florida gets up, Tennessee responds with a false start, a short run, getting sacked. Then at third and 20, you just run it so you don't turn the ball over and you punt next possession was kind of similar. Like they just stayed behind the chains because of those false starts and penalties and the offensive line, not protecting it never. I mean, if we know this offense, like if it doesn't get that first, first down, it it just can't get going. And it, it, it's really hard to, to get into a rhythm with those penalties and the, the, the lack of protection for Joe Milton, if he's getting sacked or getting pressured, it, it's really hard to to have give your receivers time to get down the field. So Tennessee's got to figure out some way to combat that. Whatever they're doing right now is not working. Obviously, you've had these issues that, you know, you had a little bit of it at Pittsburgh, honestly, early last season. You mm-hmm. had it at Georgia. You had it at South Carolina. You've had it at Florida now. You've got to figure something out. you got to figure out a different way to, to maybe a, attack a team early in the game. I don't know what the answer is, but clearly the way they're preparing for road games is not working right now. It, it's time to reevaluate what we're doing there. I think. I, I agree. That's been a running problem. I don't
0: know what you got to do to fix that. I mean, that that's a, that's a between the years thing. I I mean, you, I think it was Elias Gray. I saw earlier. I mean, he said, you, you just you can't start from, from first and 15. You just, you can't like that is, Period, and that's true of every offense in college football. Like that is. That's
1: what happened to Florida against Utah. Ironically enough. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I mean they 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 were intimidated by that crowd noise in, in Utah in the same way that Tim, Tennessee was in the swamp. Period. Uh, kind of t- <laughs> two two conflicting comments here. Timothy leaves another super chat for twenty bucks. Thank you, thank. you. That's huge. Uh, he he says, "I will. I'll say it. Our players don't have the intestinal fortitude to truck someone." Our running back I've seen go fetal position and just fall, and that's why I said we need players with the mindset of rugby players. But they said that about Jalen Wright. So that it's it's funny juxtaposition here. Elias says something like 70% of Jalen Wright's yards were after contact, and he's had an inordinate share of yards after contact since he's been here. Yeah, I don't I, – I think Joe Milton, you certainly see hesitancy to run, and we've addressed mm-hmm. that plenty. But I, I think Jalen Wright, I'm not sure he gets – he gets what he's gotten unless he he's ready for contact. Uh, I mean, you, you can only be so tough and he's not the biggest guy out there. Um, but I I, I, I like this comment for Jason Dyer about crowd noise. He said, I guess we need to crank up everyone's Dre beats during practice. <laughs> Maybe, you know, put, get a slap some headphones on everybody where they can't hear each other and then make them play. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a running problem. You have to get over the crowd noise. You got to do something to improve that, that mental ability there and work through that. You have to stop. And hopefully playing, playing at home. Tennessee's got a home stretch for almost like a month here coming up. I think it's Until three Alabama, games. I think, yeah. Yep. Um, cause it's, yeah, it's UTSA, Texas a and by week, South Carolina. Uh, no, no, sorry. It's, it's, uh, UTSA, South Carolina by week, Texas a yeah.
1: Right. Yes. Yes.
0: Um, Oh, it's and, and Timothy and, comes back and he says, I'm talking about Jabari Small. And, and maybe that's uh, why Small's not yeah. playing.
1: Well, he did. Yeah, he only got like six or seven carries. And honestly, I mean, Dylan Sampson didn't get any carries. And it was really, I know there was some talk about that. And he posted something on Instagram that um, I think we got put to put putting too much thought into what players post on Instagram and social media because it can, you can interpret stuff uh, so many ways. And then there's even, I'll we'll get to the defense in a minute, but, uh, the flow of the game just kind of dictated that they didn't run the ball as much. You got, you give up 26 points in the first half, you got to start throwing the ball and and finding ways to score. So I think that's why you didn't see the ball, you know, being run more and maybe if you get Dylan Sampson in there, he can break off one of those electric runs or, or catches. I mean, he catches the ball well out of the backfield. I'd like to see that utilized a little more in general from Sampson. And maybe they they didn't trust him in pass protection, possibly being loud down there in the swamp. He had some issues last season. He's still kind of a young player, so that might be why they didn't utilize Dylan Sampson in the game. Either way, if you're only running the ball 19, 20 times a game with your running backs for Tennessee, you're probably not winning that game unless you're just – they can't stop the passing game or something like that, and they're loading the box every time. Otherwise, it's probably not good news for Tennessee to only have 20 carries from your running backs. I mean, it, it's
0: to, to Butch Jones's credit, it's something he talked about constantly was complimentary football. Oh, he loved, he loved complimentary football, Butch. but he, in this case with Josh Heupel's offense, that's exactly it. They, this thing is predicated on complimentary football. You have to be able to run to be able to pass. You have to be able to pass, to be able to run. And I mean, really it, it all starts in the trenches with that running game. Um, and, and then obviously, you know, holding back pass rushers for, uh, for when you want to throw the ball, but uh, I mean, we could kind of go on that all day. We do need to talk about the defense, uh, and then also I mean, Don, Don Dixon in the comments, he says, will they bring Nico in soon? We're going to talk about it uh, right after I tell you about our next great sponsor, and that is Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans has been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Uh, wait, I don't... Holy cow. I don't have the... The read open here. Hold on. Change your pace. <laughs> Let's <laughs> I'll get it. Let's talk about that Tennessee whiskey. I have this read. <laughs> it, is it is a live chart. At, at this point, I do. Few things go better with a Tennessee sports victory than an awesome whiskey. Uh also, I found this out on Saturday night. It goes great with a Tennessee sports loss, too. <laughs> Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey from Logstill Still Distillery it is named after a long forgotten game of chance. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four year and an eight year version of Rattle and Snap. Had both. They are awesome. They go uh, great in cocktails and also just for drinking neat out of a glass. Go and get yourself a bottle in stores across the state of Tennessee. It's also available in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. Run, don't walk, and get yourself some Rattle and Snap whiskey for those Tennessee sports victories. More losses. Uh follow Rattle and Snap on Instagram at rattle and snap whiskey and I'll I'll get that farm bureau read ready for the, the final segment. But let's before we get to Nico, let's quickly talk about the defense. Lordy. Uh I mean the defense quote unquote played better in the second half, but Florida rolled over and died. Grim Graham, Graham Mertz was hurt. I mean, they did the same thing
1: bleeding. Georgia did last season, yeah. basically. They just tried they fold, to kill the clock.
0: Yeah, they, they folded it up. Now Georgia was more effective than Florida was. I mean, Florida kept giving the ball back Tennessee. Let, let's be honest. Tennessee, we we were talking about this before we came on here. Tennessee had Florida. You could tell. It specifically when it came down to that, the fourth and was it fourth and three or whatever Where the it was. Referee
1: punted the ball. Where Is that what you're talking about?
0: With a referee. Oh, no, 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 oh, no. oh, you're talking about when Florida.
1: when Florida was on offense. Okay.
0: Florida's on offense. Fourth
1: and I, think and four, it, it I was, believe.
0: It was 29-16 or maybe 26-16 at that point even. And I mean, I got to go back and check the exact situation. But Florida's just going into hard count. And they're trying to draw Tennessee off sides. Before they do that, and obviously Tennessee bid. And it was the most frustrating thing I've ever seen. I... Oh, I cannot tell you how mad I was I, that when uh, I mean, it's the most elementary thing. It's the most elementary thing. Like, did you you know, you know, that's all they're doing because they were on what they were on, like their their own 30. Like, they're not going to they are not going to go for it. They're not stupid. And Tennessee jumps. But before that happened, you could genuinely feel Florida was getting a little. Little, I I called it lemon booty. It's that they were tightening it up, and you could feel the crowd going, "Okay, what are we doing?" Then because I think it was after the 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 Bru McCoy long long touchdown, and you could just feel the crowd going, "Huh, it? No, this is not good." And then they draw Tennessee offsides there, get the first down. The crowd gets reignited, and it was over. That was it. That was that ended the game.
1: Two two minutes, another two minutes or so off the clock. I don't think they didn't really. I don't think they still up after the, they didn't pick up a lot of yards, but they still bled another two and a half minutes off the clock. There was like four or five minutes left in the fourth quarter by that point. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, you got to score quick, and, and Tennessee didn't score at all. Uh, or this thing is is over. Like that's kind of your last chance at that point. So that yeah, that was a, that was backbreaking breaking right there. Absolutely yes. bad breaking. But the defense did there was there was plays made in the second half in the in the first half it was just so just fundamentals the tackling i mean just horrendous tackling from almost everyone not named aaron beasley at times uh you saw some of the youth from like james pierce i felt like where this guy's gonna be an unbelievable pass rusher and he already is in some ass regards but when he's in there in a running situation, the guy doesn't really set the edge really well or doesn't know how to yet. I don't know. I noticed that a couple of times where it felt like he could have contained the running game there, and he was out of position, which kind of allowed for a big game. Just just from my view, you know, a defensive cor- coordinator, Tim Banks or somebody might look at that and tell me I'm wrong, but from the average fan watching on television, that seemed to be an issue that that was hurting Tennessee at times. But I think you notice the loss of Keenan Peely, especially that over the middle stuff. I mean, he's really good in coverage. He's an excellent tackler. We saw that, and we only saw him against Virginia, but there were several plays where it just seemed like he was always in the right spot. He read the plays correctly, and he was able to communicate really effectively on the field. I don't know if that's Aaron Beasley's strong suit. I'm not saying Beasley's a bad communicator. I just think he's a little quieter by nature. Obviously, he's the best player on the team, possibly, or one of the best players on the team. He's gives mean, he's one of the only guys last season at South Carolina that really showed up and and he showed up against Florida but I feel like Peely is the guy that's going to get everybody kind of where they need to be he's going to see maybe what Florida's doing and able to communicate that a little more effectively so I know he's on the sidelines there it's not the same as being on the field I think that might have been the biggest issue for the defense between that and just the, the poor tackling especially from the secondary it wasn't just Kamal Haddon Tamarian McDonald had some moments that he'd probably like back. Uh, Warren Burrell, he, had Turnage, they, they all had moments where it's like you're, you're jumping at this pump fake. You're right there in position, but you don't make a play on the ball. Just the same stuff that we've been seeing for a while from the defensive backs. And I do think that eventually that's going to have to be a conversation. Like, I like Willie Martinez. He's been around, you know, this is his second stint at Tennessee. I think he's a good dude. People love him but the, it's just not getting better. Like you're seeing the same mistakes over and over and over. And it, you, you can't, you can't win in the sec with those mistakes. You just can't. And not having uh Jason Dyer mentions it. Slaughter was unavailable per Josh Heupel. So he was out. That's one another cornerback. You're down that you don't have in there. And, and it's, it was just too much to overcome. I, I feel like that the poor, the poor tackling, not having Peely out there just really made those mistakes even, even worse. Timothy asks, is Keenan Peely
0: coming back this year? I think he's like a maybe year senior, isn't he? <laughs> oh, you mean <laughs> well, like I know, coming, coming back during the season? Yeah. I think so. I mean, no, the prognosis. So,
1: is... Look, I think at this point where we are with Josh Heupel, and look, I'm I'm 100% Josh Heupel. Like, I'm not, not anywhere near that realm of things. Hopefully, nobody is. That would be silly after last season. But I think we've discovered that we cannot trust him at all when it (laughs) comes to injuries. And it's not just the Cooper Mays thing. I mean, it's constantly. And then these injuries that we never even hear about, never even get a hint of. I mean, he closes practice throughout the season. He's very secretive. That's fine. I get it. But I'm also not going to guess that Peely's going to be back for sure this season after he insinuated that he would just see where he's at in a few weeks. And then some of the other people closer to the program are like, yeah, maybe November. (laughs) Like, we'll (laughs) see. So, yeah. uh, hopefully he's back. They need him, but they're going to have to figure out how to win yeah. without him because if he can't wait on November to, to get going. Yeah, I mean, you saw Aaron
0: Carter out there, and it he's young. You could tell. Um,
1: Elijah Herring, you could tell. He's a green. Um, and, and Herring and made a big mistake makes- too, right? The late hit yeah. on the quarterback that was soft. It was so soft. He barely nudged him. But it was one of those things where it's like you you got to know that you can't hit the quarterback like that even if you're just trying to send a little message like hey I'm here I got you or something like that you you just can't do that they're gonna call that especially in that game I mean the officiating wasn't great not why Tennessee lost but it's why they didn't have a chance probably to come back it certainly didn't help matters and it was a night that was kind of everything it seemed like it was going against Tennessee and I know we always probably have problems with the officiating but that was one of the more, the more egregious Officiated games, I think any of us have seen. So that's that's just a mistake by hearing that you you just can't make if you're going to play those kind of snaps and important games.
0: Yeah, I, I hate I hate bringing up officiating when you get your butt kicked because it's not the reason Tennessee lost. The officiating that game was garbage, absolute, tr- just straight up trash. But you know, like uh, the
1: blindside blocker on McAllen. Castles, oh. I think that that was horrible. Like when Kirk Dubbs Street and Chris Fowler are losing their minds over some of yeah. these calls. And I'm not look. I'm not saying that they're in, in that booth hoping that Tennessee loses or hoping Florida wins. I don't. I know some Tennessee fans might feel that way or might be annoyed by you know things Chris Fowler said in 1998 or 97, whenever
0: <laughs> trailer I Park don't think,
1: Frenzy, baby. <laughs> they don't go into that booth carrying a Like they have a job to do, and it's a tough job. It it's not easy calling those games. I mean, it's it's fun it's not easy and uh you know when they're pointing that stuff out it's it's pretty bad
0: yeah i mean when when chris trailer park frenzy fowler is on your side you know that the, the officiating is bad we got a, a whole number of people kind of talking about this uh in the comments here but tracy says there's something we're not seeing people have weird vibes on this week's pregame do we have locker room issues? And we've alluded to it a little bit there when you saw Dylan Sampson with his sort of cryptic Instagram, you posted a video Zach uh, on our, on the A to Z sports, big orange podcast, Twitter feed of uh, Aaron Beasley giving kind of an odd answer to a question. And people are debating all these, you know, kind of throwing shots. And I, uh, this is the stuff that happens. When you lose in a humiliating way like this, you just like if Tennessee had played its best game and Florida played its best game, you lose on a last second field goal. You go, okay, we gave it our all classic losing in the swamp, whatever happened and dang it. You just, just couldn't pull through. But when you lose the way you did in this game and just get waxed, that's when this stuff starts coming out and, and to the, passive-aggressive Instagrams and the, the what does he mean by this in a press conference and his blah, 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 blah. none of us are going to know. Heupel is very closed-lipped about all of that. They don't like having any of that out there. He's done so well everywhere in terms of any kind of PR. I mean, it just doesn't seem like he lets that stuff happen. And I think his players like him and I think they believe in what he's doing. That doesn't mean you're not going to have locker room problems but I think his players do believe in what he's doing. How could you not after last season? But uh, maybe, maybe you do. Maybe, maybe it's something like they don't believe in Milton, or maybe it's something like they don't, you know, some, some rift. I, who, who knows? I all, obviously all that's complete speculation, But you just, you know, it kind of happened with uh, Jeremy Banks after the South Carolina game last year. Oh, what do you do? Why is he not playing? And we, if we would have had him, we would have won. And uh, it just, it always happens after games like this. And I, uh, man, I hate it, dude. It's so annoying. Just don't, don't do this. And then, then we don't have to have these discussions. But I don't know if you, if you have any insight there, Zach.
1: Yeah, I think it, it can be exhausting trying to figure out if there's locker room issues. I think that's just the easy thing to go to after a loss. I think I wrote about it earlier today. I think sometimes a loss is just a loss. Sometimes you have an off night. Maybe there is some people that don't see eye to eye on something, or maybe there are some people unhappy. I mean, you got a roster full of over a hundred kids. I feel like we talk about this constantly, but nobody, not everybody's going to get along at all times. And that's championship teams. That's non-championship teams. I mean, Georgia's been having issues all summer since winning their national championship look at what florida you know in 2007 6 8 the urban meyer years they won two championships and, and i know the netflix documentary documentary on them is not nearly as uh, juicy as we wanted it to be and left out a ton of stuff but there's stories about these dudes fighting each other and, and getting into it with each other where if somebody wasn't putting forth enough effort like these things happen and I'm not saying that that's what's happened at Tennessee this week. I really don't know in in regards to this week, but I don't think there's just crazy, just locker room drama that that people want to think that there is. I think that some things happen now and then, every now and then, yes. And I, I think there might be some unhappiness, maybe or maybe some players that think you should do this or that quarterback. I don't know, but I don't think it's like on the verge of falling apart or anything like that. It wasn't after South Carolina. I mean. They recovered Clearly. just fine against Vanderbilt and Clemson. I thought Heupel handled that perfectly, and I, I think they'll handle this well. I think it'll be fine. I think some of those comments on Saturday night after the game from Heupel and the players, they just lost in the Swamp, a game that they knew they needed to win. It's devastating. I mean, you, you want it to be a solemn vibe. And and the comment from Beasley, like he said what he said. He answered the question. Uh, you know, was I think the question was like, did you see anything during fall camp? Or from what you saw in fall camp, does the undisciplined play surprise you? And he said, no, no, sir, it doesn't. I don't know. Maybe he didn't hear the question right. Maybe those words came out differently than than the way he wanted them to. It happens. It happens to all of us. It's that one little moment. He also said you know, in his postgame presser that he felt like the team had the leadership to overcome this. So I don't, I don't think that stuff is too riled up over. I just don't.
0: I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get worried about it unless you just like near the end of Butch's time and during Pruitt's time, like you could see serious discontent. I don't see that here. Like, the, you know, we we were close enough to the programs then to see like what that really looks like. And I I don't. I don't see that here. It's it's just it's you know you're, you're running back who wants playing time being a little melodramatic and it's you know maybe a kid accidentally shooting his mouth off at a press conference. I I I'm not putting a ton of
1: weight in it. And but you'll know when there's locker room issues. You'll yeah. see, it will be very evident. Players will exactly. transfer like they did at the end of the Butch Jones era. You will you'll see the stuff on social media. There will be no questions. There will be defensive answers from coaches in press conferences. Like we're nowhere close to that. No one needs to worry about that. Even if this season ends up being eight and five, it is what it is. Like it happens sometimes. Fulmer had those years right after winning championships. Just you know, yep. it it happens. It's college football. If you don't have elite quarterback play right now, it's really tough. Just ask Nick Saban. You look at Georgia too. They didn't. They weren't too hot this weekend against South Carolina. I mean, it's mm. certain things you have to have to, to win a national championship, and it's everyone's kind of struggling right now to find it. Is this true?
0: Rob says Kirk Hertree lives in Franklin, Tennessee, and it seems that like yeah, he down He out.
1: lives in the Nashville area, so or he it, did. It, He might have went back to Cincinnati. I can't remember. I think he might have a kid at school up there now. I know he, he was kind of bouncing back and forth between Nashville and Nashville area in Cincinnati. Isn't that typical though? Everybody
0: loves to move to Tennessee. They don't. They don't like loving Tennessee. They, they, they like where they live, and then they go and they you know make fun of Tennessee fans and. Whatever, yeah, hey, whatever. It's it's okay. It's okay. It's not okay, but whatever. <laughs> it doesn't go unnoticed. Um, all right. Now I think. Well, I'll throw it to you before we have this final conversation about Joe, and then we throw in sort of the final notes about this UTSA game. Um, anything else with that game before we have this Joe discussion?
1: Well, I mean. I think we got to mention, point out that Omar Norman Law, you know, will be suspended for the first half of the UTSA game for, for throwing a punch at a Florida player. There's three Florida players got suspended for what happened at the end of that game. And Kamal Haddon, despite being in a perfect boxing stance, did not get suspended though. In Haddon's defense, he was just breaking the fight up. So I, I do think that was the right call. It was one of the more, humorous things that I saw kind of at the the end of that game when, when had went in there and then ends up kind of squared up with that Florida offensive lineman there at the end of the game. But I think just that whole the Florida fans are being so, so dramatic about what happened at the end of that game. We're, yeah, probably just let the clock run out. Let's get out of there and, and, and get back to Knoxville, right? Like, we're, we're done with this. But at the same time, Heupel's a competitor. We know that. When you're on the field, I mean, you've been on the field, Charlie, at the end of the games. It's not the same as watching it on TV. It's almost, it's kind of chaotic in a way because mm-hmm. the clock's not right there. You're looking in the stadium, you know, at the clock and you're looking at the timeouts and you're looking at this. Everything is just kind of on top of you. It's not the same as sitting on your couch where you've got a commentator kind of detailing the situation and you're looking at the clock and you know kind of what you would do in that situation is you're sitting on your couch you're eating popcorn you know watching the game and it's different when you're in it and I think in that moment you don't really know how much time's gonna be put back on the clock when they they make that tackle on third down it looked like it might have been like 12 seconds if you're probably just looking up it was probably nine or 10 but in that moment, you're not really going through the calculations of, okay, it's going to take this long to throw to the end zone, this long to get the onside kick, and to run another play. You're not doing that calculation. You just call the timeout, and okay, now we're, now where are we at? We had a timeout left. We called it. I, I just don't see it as that big of a deal. And then the ball gets snapped. The Florida center, according to Omari Thomas, tells Tennessee's defensive line that he's going to take a knee. Well, then they snap the ball, and Graham Mertz is running around back there, and, and he's just trying to kill clock. I get it. Well, Mark Thomas is like, well, screw that. I'm going to go tackle the guy, you know, yeah. and he tries to let up at the very end. I mean, it wasn't like he knocked the guy's head off and lunged at him. It, it wasn't targeting. That was overturned. Like none of that. It, it wasn't that big of a deal. And all of a sudden, Florida players are taking up for their quarterback. I get that too. Like you would want Tennessee players to do that. So it's just, it's just comp- people competing. Like you're frustrated at the end of the game. Florida's trying to protect their guy. 18 to 22 year old kids. At- Heupel's trying to do all he can to maybe pull out a miracle. I don't see it as being this huge deal. Like I, I don't get the the outrage over it's just it's just sports. Like if you've played competitive sports and backyard football to organized football, it it happens. It will always happen.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I Mert Mert should have just kneeled the ball. He's being cheeky, and I, I mean, I just don't. I just don't care.
1: It was. Silly, but... Honestly, he could have fumbled the ball and run it back, and then you're really... <laughs> then yeah. You might have time it to... Exactly. maybe. Like, it was almost riskier by him because they really yeah. weren't going to have enough time to to do everything they wanted to do, even if he immediately takes a knee. And considering Tennessee's success throwing the ball into the end zone prior to that, what are the odds, right? Yeah. So. I, I mean... Well, but Florida fans got to quit being holier than thou, thinking that you know, <laughs> you cheered for Aaron Hernandez and and all these guys <laughs> in the mid two thousands. You cannot be losing your mind over Josh Heupel calling a timeout at the end of the game. <laughs> That's a good point. They they don't have much ground to stand
0: on there. Uh, thankfully. Uh Oh man, here's one. What are the chances Boo Carter flips to Colorado for Music City? I don't even want to talk about that. Know.
1: He liked one of my tweets yesterday. I can't remember which one it was, though. But it was something about the Florida games. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's good or bad. I might. I was might it about bad. the Florida game, game going poorly? Or I don't know. Maybe I'm doing this. Why don't we get into this Joe Milton talk? I, I.
0: I mean, the the whole Colorado you know hottest, hottest team. In America, the hottest team in America that almost lost to Colorado State over the weekend. Um, you know, I, I don't blame him. You want to go out there, you want to meet Dion. That's maybe, maybe he flips. I have no idea if he flipped. You didn't oh, meet him anyway. Oddly, so.
1: oddly, it was the tweet about what Kamal hadn't said after the game. So I really don't know what to make of that.
0: Interesting. And and two, so I mean, Kamal had needs to be replaced <laughs> post haste <laughs> by Josh Eiffel. Uh, and hopefully that happens. But I mean, it's it's gonna have to be one of the, one of the young guys.
1: We can't. Keep, uh, we cannot keep hearing about his athleticism. Like I, I haven't seen it yet.
0: I mean, exactly. It's he's he's gotta he's gotta go. It just isn't. I I just don't think. Uh, I, I mean, in terms of how he's processing things out there, I mean, it's just not not there. He just is not in the right places. He doesn't make the right decisions, and he, yeah you just can't. And so you got to replace him with one of these young guys. But I will say, I'll defend him on that last thing. He only oh, yeah. got involved because he was trying to actually break it up and you can clearly mm-hmm. tell in the video. He came up trying to break it up and then the offensive lineman then came out. Then a
1: 300-pound out. offensive lineman comes at you. What are you going to do? I mean, and I
0: believe that that guy got suspended. Yes. Uh and Haddon did not. So um oh here you go. And Andrew uh he says he says the Carter put Edwin Spillman on his story. There we go with uh, with Brutta on there today. Hey, there you go. Maybe that's good. So, I think you're fine. I think you just want to go meet Dion. It'll be all right. I think
1: some of these recruits need to start wondering how long Dion's going to be in older Colorado. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can
0: you can tell if, if they win uh, what eight games this year that it, it might be,
1: which would hello. be remarkable considering where Colorado was. Like, I don't take anything away, but it might have a little more to do with having, you know, Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter when he comes back and, uh, the, the running back. that's so good. Edward, Edward, I think.
0: I mean, it, it was really morbid curiosity.
1: I like, i re-
0: I'm just so like dispassionate about that entire situation. Cause I just, you just can't make me care about Colorado. I mean, I just really like Dion is fun and that's, it's cool. I, I don't know. Think whatever you want about him. But I w- I was kind of interested to see if they would have lost that Colorado State game. Like I said, like a morbid curiosity to just be like, I want
1: to see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> After- if he goes I don't I don't want to <laughs> I remember you get to Milton, but if he go if he goes like two and nine one year, is he just done? Is he like screw this?
0: Yeah, I mean, what, what do you, he, he, he beats his chest so much is like, what happens when he loses? Like if they go to Oregon this week and just get smacked around, like what, what is Dion doing after the game? I kind of want to see, I don't know. It's just like, I mean, I just don't care one way or another. I, but okay, let's talk uh, about Joe Milton and the Nico situation <sighs> because we have to, everybody, Everybody wants to know. Uh you know what I didn't do? I didn't get my my re up here. So that's that's great. You know, it's not like I've been hosting this show for three years now and I should have my stuff together. But all right. We'll talk about Joe Milton right after I tell you about our great sponsor farm bureau health plans farm bureau Health has been serving tennesseans for over 75 years much has changed in tennessee over the years but some has stayed the same farm bureau health plans have always valued personal relationships especially when it comes to good health and good service plan on farm bureau health plans for health dental and vision for better coverage better rates and better service go to fbhp.com atoz or walk into one of their 200 plus locations across the state that is fbhp.com atoz farm bureau health plans go get yourself health plan with uh, our great sponsor there. All right. Oh, th- this is interesting, right? Sorry, just quick side note before we get into this. Derek Sanders says I know Boo personally. Boo Carter is good with Tennessee. Remember when he comes? When he comes, Nico will be the quarterback. So maybe inside source in the comments right here. I can't confirm that at all, but maybe Derek knows him. I don't
1: know.
0: <laughs> um. Obviously, people watch that game with Joe and you know, when, when you see a game like that, where Joe, as, as we said, I mean, did he play horrifically? No, he really didn't. He, he honestly, he threw some really nice passes, but his game management is really off. You wasted two timeouts because of him. He makes, he just makes some decisions. He's hesitant to run, makes some decisions that are really questionable. It's just not, it's not there. And, and I'm not sure that he's the guy that will get this offense clicking on all cylinders. And because of that, a lot of people are looking, and they go, "Look, we got the number one player in America from last year sitting on the bench, the eight million dollar man. So allegedly, the alleged eight million dollar man." Um, I, and you you look at that, and so Nico is suddenly like the best player on the team in a lot of people's minds. They just go, "Well, why don't we give this kid a try?" And you know, I I will be completely honest. I want to know what he would look like. I do not have a hard stance of Nico will be better. I genuinely I don't think that's the case. I don't think Nico would come in and be some silver bullet. I seriously. I I know some people definitely do and maybe he would be. Maybe it would be Trevor Lawrence. I I don't know. But you just look at how that offensive line is playing. You look at how the wide receivers still need to settle in. And I just think uh, I, I, is it, is that going to fix everything? I don't know, but what I would like to see, you got UTSA this week, let this kid get half the snaps I, truly as a, as just a contingency plan, if nothing else, because I, I think without a doubt that Hypel is going to ride with Joe Milton, Joe, Joe is his, his player. He brought him in here as a transfer. He seems to really believe in him, uh, even if at times, I think it's kind of clear that he doesn't Trust him, uh, but I think he's going to try to ride with him. Um, but even as a contingency plan, you got to get this kid snaps, and so I I want to see it. Will that actually happen? Probably not. But I I don't know what do you think.
1: Well, one you got to go blow teams out if you're going to get your backup snaps in garbage time, and they just haven't been able to to really do that since that Virginia game. But I think for for me the whole debate starts with. Well, there's a couple of different layers to it really. As far as Milton's play, I agree. I think he's he's done well making decisions. He's thrown some nice passes. He doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Even the interception really was just a you know, he got hit. It wasn't like he made a maybe you should tuck that ball and not throw it, but I I talked about that a little bit earlier. I kind of understand what he's doing in that situation and it's just a bang bang play. For the most part, he's making good decisions. I think the he doesn't really have that special little it factor that Hendon Hooker had that other championship caliber quarterbacks have that I think you have to have with this Tennessee team to win a championship. Like you saw Stetson Bennett win championships with Georgia. And Stetson Bennett wasn't a, a bad quarterback. He got drafted by an NFL team, but he's not a I mean, he's not Bryce Young. He's not Joe Burrow. He's not Hendon Hooker either, right? But he had a ridiculous offensive line that gave him plenty of time. He just, he was his defense was unreal. Everything was there where you didn't have to have that type of quarterback to win a championship. I really feel like there's probably one team a year to do that. Because there's no time in college football to have multiple teams that just have five-star dudes along the offensive line, defensive line, and at and skill positions and, and all this stuff. So I, I don't think Milton has that it factor that can take this team to the next level. I think Nico pro- we hope he does. And I don't know if that's this season. I don't think it's this season at all. I think especially with this offense, if Milton has been in this offense for three years and he's still kind of having trouble getting everybody on the same page, why do we think a true freshman, as talented as he is, is going to come in here when he's taken what, like two series against a not-good Virginia team, and they're going to throw him in, and all of a sudden the season's going to turn around and they're, they're going to go undefeated the rest of the year? Like, I don't think that's fair – to nico to even put that on him and and it's not fair to milton to blame him for all the issues that we've seen so far because it's it's just not the case so that's one aspect of it the other aspect is the culture i mean you've heard this great story about joe milton waiting his turn for a year now pretty much not transferring if you go to nico what happens to milton i mean what where is his head at at that point he's already talked about earlier this summer Having issues putting pass plays behind him. Hypo alluded to that a little bit today as well. It's a really tough thing to practice because practice is controlled, environments games aren't. I mean, I don't know if you bench him, if you've, and, and it doesn't work out with Nico, well, then you're in a real pickle, because you, if Milton even sticks around, what's he going to be if you throw him back in there at that point after you've done benching twice at this point now, if you're Hypo? I don't I don't know if it's worth it. Like I think you just have to chalk this season up to it is what it is. Not every season is going to be a championship season. You can't expect that from Tennessee at this point. Like I said, I, I think there's only one team at a time that can really truly hope that they're going to win a championship every single year. For years it was Alabama, you know, then Georgia kind of took that crown for them. There's just it's just the way it is. There's just not enough talent. So you just got to ride with Joe, I think, unless there's an injury or unless he just starts making really terrible decisions and turning the ball over at that point. It'll be obvious to everybody that a change would need to be made, but I, I don't think that's a direction that you can go with this team now because I think the the chances of it working out are slimmer. You know, I think you have a better chance of it going south, and then you, you're really in a, a bad spot culture-wise moving into next year when really you hope Nico can compete for a championship, assuming he gets some reps at some point. This year, I don't even know if we will have against UTSA this weekend because they're a really good team. But hopefully you're going to blow some teams out and and, and find some rhythm here and you can get Nico in some of these games and get him some experience. But I I do think he has that it factor. I do think that his pocket presence we've already seen in that limited action at Virginia and in the spring game is better. I think he can make some superstar type plays. I just think his processing of this offense is it probably needs a little more time. I I mean, as good as he is, it, it took Hooker kind of a year to really get into it as well.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much all of that. I, I think you, at a bare minimum, you have to give Joe, and, and somebody said this in the comments. I lost it. Um, yeah, it, here it is, Tracy. I think we'll know for sure when Cooper gets back, possibly. I think at a minimum, you have to give Joe until Cooper gets back, and perhaps that helps the offense with just sort of that general flow and, and how things go. Uh, And also you would be able to put in the right, sorry, the left guard that you actually want at that point. Um, And it wouldn't be such a hodgepodge offensive line. I also, if, you know, if it does implode with Joe, in no way would you put Nico in before you have Cooper there and you have a, you know, a stalwart veteran, veteran guy being able to snap the ball to him. I think you're just asking for disaster there. Cause I think your biggest risk is that if you put Nico in, what you're gonna see is not what you're hoping to see. <laughs> he's running for his life. If the offensive line isn't great, and then just because of that, with the offensive line not being great, he's not. He he might be running scared. He might not throw the best pass as possible. He might not. You know, he's still he is a freshman. He the the kid is 18 and oldest 19, and like <laughs> that is a ton to ask for him to to turn right around and play SEC ball. And I just think you. You know, you end up putting him behind the eight ball there. And so you just stick stick with Joe until the wheels legit fall off. So as we said, it's like, it's pretty clear he's not going to be a championship guy in some unless something really changes. But also, I think if the offensive line was better and he had a truly go-to wide receiver, uh, we probably don't think what we're thinking right now about Joe. It probably looks
1: more like the Clemson game.
0: Exactly, I think we, I think we think it's a Clemson game. If if he had the the a much better offensive line, and and a wide receiver, a, you know, a Juan Jennings type of dude that that he could just constantly rely on, I, I I don't think that we're we're probably having this conversation even. So it's that tenuous, and so I just, I just say, I mean, you got to stick with Joe, while at the same time saying, I really want to see Nico play football, <laughs> and so you know, get him into yeah. this UTSA game because first of all, I'm going to be there. It's his first game. That I'll have uh, gone to in Nealand in in person first full game. We've we've gone to the spring game, um, but first regular season game since the 2020 Florida game because I I do the the game day show with Crompton. so I can't go to the games. Um, and I'm taking taking this week and actually going to the UTSA game. So I I want to see Nico man. Let free Nico. Let him play, but maybe not become the starter. <laughs>
1: Um, I think the only way that hypo is going to make Nico the starters if something happens to, to Milton injury wise, I don't I don't think he's going to play bad. Like I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to go like all to hell on Joe Milton. I don't think he's going to start throwing interceptions and turning the ball over. He hasn't been that person yet. I mean, it's I've been said in the comments several times. Like the offensive line has to get better before any of this offensive play is going to look better. You got to get Cooper back. You got to figure out your left guard situation. Hopefully Gerald Mincy, you know, is is your right tackle a little more moving forward. If you have to rotate them there a little bit, I'd get it, you know, just kind of the pace of the offense. And it seemed to work last season with Crawford and Mincy at left tackle. I think Mincy is the guy that has pro potential. Like he's got to be your guy over there. And this whole, Mixing and matching offensive linemen has never allowed them to really find a rhythm on who they are this season, and I think you're seeing that with like Spraggins hasn't looked as good at times this season. I know he's a better player than what we've seen at times, but you know the offensive line—it's not just one-on-one matchups; they got to work together. And I think you're seeing the—you the, the, know—the result of not having Cooper out there is—it's not just affecting what's happening with the communication at center; it's affecting everything on the offensive line. So really, and you need depth. Like you need all this defensive line depth we heard about. They need that on the offensive line as well. And they haven't recruited quite as well along the offensive line as, as they have at some other positions. You got to figure it out. I don't know what that means. If it's NIL, if it's something with the coaching, whatever the case is, you've you've got to recruit better. you got to hit the transfer portal next spring. And really go after some guys that can be plug and play, instant guys, and they're out there. Like you see, other programs get some of these guys and plug them in. You know, you don't have to go get more than than just a, a left tackle and, and a guy that you hope can play guard, like they did this this past offseason. You got to go get some guys that you know can play.
0: Absolutely, hundred percent true. Uh, well, I'm just seeing some of the comments here. Rusty says Tony Basilio show earlier said Cooper Mays had hernia surgery. I believe that that's been the all the reporting that I've seen is that that's what it is. Yeah, I
1: think Austin Price finally confirmed that on on their deal too. Okay, Baltimore. so yeah, it's been
0: said multiple places. Hernia surgery, I I would assume is just a, a mesh
1: thing. It takes a few weeks. That was what like early August? Maybe like I don't I don't know yeah. anything about that. I've never had it done, so I don't I don't want to. Tr- speculate totally. what it's like trying to come back from that.
0: Troy says, I'm hearing <laughs> he says, I'm hearing October before Kate is back. Who? From who? Who is saying that?
1: <laughs> um, well, that is one of those things where, like we said, you cannot trust Heifel. Yeah, and it's not that can. I think school is purposely, be- like, he is purposely being misleading, whereas he doesn't want to give out too much information, which I get college football is the- they're more secret than the CIA at times it seems like. like. They don't want anything out there at all because they think it might swing a possession or something. I don't know, but it is kind of if you say that he's joined, probably going to play against Florida, and he travels, and he doesn't. To me, it it says that he's close. He's got to be close. But
0: I, if I was, oh, it's uh, West says Dave Hooker said that October. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't he, he has Trooper, do...
1: he has Trooper Mays on every week, so he yeah, he has more insight Maybe. than uh, than most on
0: that. Yeah, uh, that that could definitely be. the the case since he actually does a show with cooper during the week um i i would say if i'm if i'm a betting man south carolina probably although i i i I don't know um that that seems like more than enough time to get back from hernia surgery in in august and be because it's it's not just getting back i he could probably play right now i i really have almost no doubt in that but but exactly. Will he actually be himself and be good enough? That's kind of a different thing. So, uh, and then Wes says Haddon should not play. I think that's something that we can all agree on.
1: One, <laughs> one time he looked back for the ball. And I think the Austin P game, he came down with an interception. I, I don't understand that. I'll never understand it. Like you're going to get either pass interference or you're just not going to make a play. Like that's, Usually, the two outcomes there. If you're not turning your head,
0: if only he didn't do everything that he does, then he would be good. <laughs> um, I man, I think that's mostly it. We do have to end the show with a prediction for UTSA. UTSA does not look as good as people thought they were going to before the but, season started. I I thought, uh,
1: but they they started, they're one and two, and they started one and two last season, and I think they lost to couple of the same teams, at least one. I know they lost to Houston. Last year, they've lost to Houston. This year, they yeah, should we- have lost to Army. Nobody likes playing Army. I mean, Tennessee canceled a game against Army because they didn't want to play them. I don't blame them for that either. It's their headache, nightmare to play. Their coach seemed pretty unhappy with, with his team's performance and with himself. That guy's pretty hard on himself as a coach. It was, it was kind of almost felt bad for the guy. I mean, but Army's
0: I- not great. Um, you know, i want honest, didn't they play? was Navy that opened up the season against Notre Dame and got smacked, I. But Army, yeah, I mean it's playing that triple option is always super weird. Uh, they play so UTSA they use two quarterbacks, um, and it's this game makes me a little uncomfortable. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. It's in Neyland Stadium, and I, I you know, I think Tennessee is going to win, but. Watch out. I, I get the feeling you could have a little bit of 2012 Troy weirdness at this one. Mm-hmm. If they're if UTSA is able to score now, this would certainly be the game to get in your young guys in front of, you know, a Kamal Haddon. Um, and so I, I think that's definitely something that needs to happen. I, I think Tennessee is going to win. I think it's gonna be closer than we all want. Do I think it's gonna be a nail biter? I I don't know. I mean, maybe, but we'll just have to see. But I'll I'll throw it to you, Zach, first. What's what's your prediction for this one?
1: Yeah, I don't so I think UTSA I think Tennessee is has more talent and I don't think this will be a situation like the Austin P game where Austin P pretty much left their whole identity behind and created a new identity just for the Tennessee game. Like they had very specific game plan that they don't usually operate with. And they, uh, you know, they switched a lot up. I don't think UTSA can do that. I think they have high, you know, they want to win 10, 11 games and go, go play in an impressive bowl game. I, they can't just change who they are. That's not who Jeff Trailer is as a coach. It's not who the program is. So I think in that aspect, you're going to get like Tennessee's going to know kind of what they're getting. From UTSA, I think they'll be able to handle that a little easier because they'll be able to prepare for it better. I still, th- I mean, I still don't trust this offense yet because I haven't seen it really just open up. I mean, I think they'll be able to run the ball as long as they commit to that, like they did against Virginia. Do we see more of those pass plays? Like, I, it's tough to kind of predict that just yet. But I, I definitely think they win. I think they win by multiple scores. I don't really think it's a nail biter necessarily. I think it might take a a minute to get the offense going into separate form. I have 38-17 written down for, for the final score of this game, Tennessee winning.
0: 38-17, Elias. The Elias was close, 33-17? very close to, to mine. Yeah. Um, and then Ben, no score, but Ben says, I think this is the game where we finally play pissed off. I certainly hope so.
1: Yeah, they um, have that players only meeting after Austin P. They still won that game. Like, even though it wasn't great, they still won that game. Like, I think... It's kinda of like, yeah, you know, Austin P, they had a good game plan. The coach was on something, he was all hopped up and just <laughs> ready to jump out of the stadium. Uh just up to I think you after loss to a team that you were favored against, it's a little more like, all right, like we need to we need to figure something out here. So it, it'll definitely be the game where we figure out which direction I think this team's gonna take.
0: Yeah, this I mean this really has a, a feeling of like you can go deeper into the hole with this one mm-hmm. or we can be feeling pretty good afterwards where like the offense really works and and they they look more focused and maybe they're playing angry and they're you know I, it'll go one of two ways. I think it'll probably land somewhere in the middle where we're we're still not super confident in everything <laughs> but hey you won sort, sort of that. That's, I'll sure. go I'll go 30 to 20. That's that's my guess it's like closer than you really want it to be UTSA is this upstart you know people thought they might make a New Year's Six Bowl game before the season and so they play closer than you want so that's that's what I'll say Heupel has to score 30 to win that's been his magic number so I'll say 30 to 20 there and Tennessee wins but I hopefully I get to see Nico in person as I will be there um we have a fun midweek show coming up uh I guess I'll, 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 go ahead and say it. I, I don't usually like to do that because it's not set in stone yet. And if this ends up not happening, <laughs> apologies. Cause it hasn't happened yet, but we're said to have uh, Josh Mancuso back on the show. It'll be his second appearance on the A to Z sports, big orange podcast on, on Wednesday. And that'll be posted hopefully just Wednesday that, uh, that night or maybe Thursday morning, depending on how quickly we can get that together. But he has a show coming up at the Bijou. Uh, I believe a stand-up comedy show and he's going to talk to us about it and obviously talk about uh, the torture that is being a Tennessee football fan at the same time Uh, and if you don't follow him on Instagram one of the funniest dudes on there but he's he's set to be on with us on Wednesday so look out for that on the A to Z Sports Nashville
1: YouTube channel
0: I think uh, that's pretty
1: much it anything else Zach for the folks at home yeah and I don't want to think about this Florida game Any more after this, so hopefully we can just kind of bury it and put it behind us, and maybe UTSA will help us forget some of that. Although, you know, really, demons won't be exercised until that South Carolina game. That's the one that you got to go win that one. You can't let Shane Beamer beat you twice in a row, especially after losing to Billy Napier. I mean, I want so
0: badly for that. I, I would almost rather have this UTSA game be mediocre, and then you just blow South Carolina's doors off. Save it up for that one. <laughs> save, save the great game for, for Beamer. That smug idiot. Ugh, can't stand him. Um, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there next week. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The comments were on absolute fire tonight under unfortunate circumstances. But still, mm-hmm. uh, so many people weighing in. We seriously, we couldn't do it without you. It's some really nice super chats tonight. Just uh just great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for watching. Um, we really do appreciate it a lot. That is it. Uh again, when Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Look out for us with the uh, Josh Mancuso. Great comedian. He's gonna come back on here with us. And otherwise, I think that's it. We will talk to y'all on Wednesday or Thursday. See you guys later.